Before we start today's episode of the podcast, I want to share a little bit more about my story. While I've talked about my story here in the podcast, while I've written about my story and other places and stay forth, maybe you've seen our field notes page where I often write about leadership, I've rarely shared my own story of leadership. So let me catch you up. I was a pastor for 13 years in a local church, and during that time, I developed leaders, including church planters, pastors in other places, and I began to coach leaders across the country. So I've been coaching for about a decade, but about five years ago, a significant shift happened to me in my coaching as I began to realize that leaders had plenty of information, but there was a level of overwhelm, which led to unhealth, which led to many leaders burning out. And I realized there actually was a lack of sustainability. Leaders were leading in a way, were pushing in a way, striving in a way that simply was not sustainable. So I began to shift the focus away from just competency and capacity in my coaching and training, which is incredibly important, but is not the full story. I shifted that to a focus in health, to longevity, to ask the question, how can we lead and continue to lead a long time from now in ways that are healthy and sustainable and out of our unique design? Not comparing ourselves to somebody else down the street or on social media or in our city or at a nonprofit that we love, but simply out of who we are, who God has designed us to be. And two years ago, I went full time with that vision with Stay Forth. And since then, our team has grown at Stay Forth. We have coaches across the country, we have a central team that organizes content and does everything around the experiences and the coaching that we host. There's two things we primarily do. We coach leaders to help them to clarify their obstacles and their next steps. And we host experiences that help leaders replenish. These are four-day experiences in beautiful places where we want to see leaders who are feeling depleted be replenished in their heart, soul, mind, and strength so they can return back to the ministry that God has designed for them. Whether that's through business, whether that's ministry in their family, whether that is a kingdom life lived in their neighborhood or in a nonprofit, changing the world in some way, we want to be part of the journey through coaching and experiences. There are several ways that we live those two things out, but we want you to know that one of those ways is right here on the podcast. We want you to live and lead right side up in an upside down world. It is possible to live and lead well for the long haul without losing our souls in the process. And we work with leaders through coaching every single week who are doing just that. And it is so encouraging. Some of you who are listening, we get the opportunity to coach. We get the opportunity to host on experiences, but we want to invite you into a couple other things. First of all, the Right Side Up community. The Right Side Up community on Facebook is a safe place for you to grow in your leadership, to ask the hard questions, to learn from other leaders who want to live and lead healthy out of their unique design. There's some incredible leaders over there. We promise we keep those conversations safe. That's a protected space where we are going to make sure that you continue to respond to the questions, to learn from other leaders, and we want to facilitate that. Sometimes we do live streams in there. We'll bring podcast episodes over there sooner. We'll just kind of let you behind the scenes of some of the conversations we're having with some incredible leaders. The second opportunity for you is called our Right Side Up Journal. 
Our Right Side Up journal, we created as a companion tool to coaching. We realized coaching simply wasn't enough. Every other week with a coach for 90 minutes is incredible, but people need daily checkpoints, markers along the way, opportunities to declare a purpose for each day, to create some time blocking and some batching, and for leaders to get organized. And I can tell you, I use this journal every single morning, and this journal is an incredible three-month process in health, in impact, and longevity. You can track your steps along the way, and we have hundreds of leaders across the country who use this every single morning. Groups use this together. Teams go through this. Church staffs go through this together. And the Right Side Up Journal is an incredible tool. And the last one is called Tuesday Tune-Up. This is a practical email that's delivered every single week. And the question that that started our Tuesday Tune-Up was, what if in five minutes a week, you could get something in your in, in your inbox that actually helped you make a practical change to your leadership? And we are delivering that Tuesday Tune-Up. Let me tell you where to find these places, Right Side Up Community. Just head on over to Facebook. Uh, make sure to like the Stay Forth page, but then you can just request access. We'd love for you to come in there and introduce yourself. The Right Side Up Journal, you can go to rightsideupjournal.com. That's rightsideupjournal.com. Check it in the show notes below. And Tuesday tune-up, you can get this email delivered to you every single Tuesday by simply going to tuesdaytuneup.com. Again, find that in the show notes. We would love for you to track along with who we are at Stay Forward Designs. If you're interested in a replenishing experience or coaching that helps you clarify, head on over to stayforth.com and check out our experiences, check out our coaching friends. We are not just a podcast. We are a community of leaders who want you to live and lead healthy for the long haul. They want you to live out of unique design so you continue to live and lead well for the long haul. Friends, you don't have to burn out. You don't have to flame out if you live and lead how God has designed you. Anya, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, congrats on... Your new book, baby, going out into the world. Um, tell us, tell us your why. Uh, why did you write this book? Talking about purpose, um, talking to busy women, but of course, we're going to eaves, eavesdrop as men today on the conversation. Why did you care enough <laughs> to take eighteen to twenty-four months of your life to put this message in the pages? It is a solid chunk of time for sure. It's a commitment, and it has to be a commitment of love. You have to really have that that why underlying it for sure. Um, you know, what's funny is that when I sat down to write the book, I had met with my editor and I we had gone through a proposal and it was supposed to be a book on goal setting that I could talk about goal setting. I've taught thousands of people how to set goals, how to achieve goals. And I thought that's what the book will be about. People love books about goal setting. Right. But when I sat down to write the book, the pandemic was happening outside of my windows, right? I'm not just writing in a vacuum. And the world was changing and the world was shifting and I was shifting with it, which I think is incredibly powerful when we allow the words not to be forced, but to just allow them to come onto the page. And that's really what happened for me was, you know, this idea that the book is going to be about goal setting and I started to recognize and realize it needed to be about something so much more, something so much bigger than me, bigger than who I am and, and what, what, what I want for people. And so as I started writing the book, I started to realize it's more about this idea of purpose. 
And I think that word purpose has so much weight to it. It's so heavy. People people feel like, oh my gosh, this is going to define me now and forever. And I can't, if they get overwhelmed and they get Existential crisis, I, enter here. We're talking about purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, oh my gosh, it's huge. And so I like to say to people, living on purpose isn't about changing who you are. It's rising up to be the best version of you. It's living bigger than today looking forward to the horizon and seeing a future that's tied to what we do today. So as I started writing the book, this whole idea and this whole concept of the power of choice started to, to come through me, where it was really about what are these choices that we're making in our lives today and how do they affect who we are in the future? Mm. And I think, you know, for me, what I find with no matter who I'm speaking to, no matter what walk of life they're in, there is this idea of chasing busy. That we got to do a thousand things. We're checking a million things off of our list, running around from here to there, falling into bed at night, and then thinking to ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? Oh, I'm the worst. I could have done more today, even though we were busy all day long. And I think it's because we're just checking off the, the things. We're just doing the motions and we're living a life on repeat instead of living to a bigger calling, living to a higher purpose. When we do that, we feel satisfaction, we feel successful, we feel accomplished. And I think when we do that, we end our day saying, wow, today was amazing. And I would say for most of your listeners, they when's the last time that you ended the day and said, I did incredible today, I'm amazing. It's probably been far too long. So before we talk about On Purpose, I've got to talk about your last book, The Joy of Missing Out, Jomo as some might call it. Yes. Um, I love that <laughs> message and I hate it. So how are you reframing yeah. busyness uh, as Jomo in this FOMO world? Well, I think the thing is, is we have an opportunity for happiness every single day. Happiness is hidden in the cracks and the crevices of our everyday life, but we're so busy that we miss it. We're missing it because we are chasing down a thousand different things. We're saying yes to anyone and everyone who comes knocking and asking for our time. And, and because of that, we miss the opportunity to find joy, to find that quiet stillness within us that really our joy is hidden in. So it's choosing to miss out on the hustle, choosing to miss out on, on opportunities that come your way that aren't really meant for you, but we say yes to them anyways. Choosing to Focus your life in a way that matters most to you. You know, when I talk about productivity, I like to say that I redefine productivity, that it's not about doing more, it's doing what's most important. When we do the work that is most important, when we fill our soul and we take care of, of the why behind what we do, there's so much joy in that. There's so much happiness in that. It's not in crossing a finish line or, or accomplishing something big without meaning. It's about creating that meaning in your life on a regular, everyday basis. Before we talk about um, just this whole message of On Purpose, um, subtitled The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success, can you frame uh, some of the cultural challenges around busyness that are different for women and for men? Mm. Yeah, I like that question because a lot of people say, well, a lot of what you talk about applies to men. And I have men who listen to my podcast. I have men who use my, my planners, my products. I have men who read my books. And they say, these messages apply to us as well. 
And I'm like, yes, they totally do. I just like kind of narrowing in my messaging for women because women do play a really unique role in the world. We are the CEOs of the office. We go to work. We do the things we need to do there. And we wear that hat all day long. And then we go home and we take off that hat and we put on the CEO of the home hat. I mean, I have the most amazing husband who is completely a partner in all things. He makes the lunches for the kids. He drives carpool for the kids. And yet somehow the teacher only wants to speak to me because I'm the mom, right? There's this expectation of that because I'm a woman, I have to run everything in the house. And I think society does a real disservice to us as women and to you all as men with these messages. You know, how many times do we see the bumbling dad on TV or we see the the, the dumb dad who doesn't know how to change a diaper in the commercial, right? When, When truly, when we're true partners, we're both able to do the work and we're able to share that load. But there is still that societal pressure on women that we have to do it all. That really, too, that we should find a good amount of fulfillment simply in motherhood. And some people do find that in motherhood, but some people want something different. That doesn't mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. But there is a lot of that extra pressure that's put on us as women. No one ever asks a man when they're having a baby, if they're going back to work, right? But a woman will get, oh, going back to work or not, you know, I mean, there's all those kinds of questions. So really the way that our brains work because of a lot of society is different. The way that we approach some of these problems and these issues that we equally share uh, are just different. And so I'm able to really message in and laser in for women. But as I said, a lot of the messaging does work for men. I just love, I love speaking to women. Books, for centuries, for thousands of years, have been written for men. And we as women have read those books. We've kind of twisted and turned it a little bit so it works for us. It's nice to have a book that's written for women. In fact, uh, The Joy of Missing Out, when I went to go uh, publish that book, when I put the proposal out for the publishing houses, there was a lot of excitement because there has never been a productivity book written for women by a woman. I mean, if you look at all the productivity books that are out there, they're all men. And it's nice to have a woman's voice who can speak directly to women. So that's, mm. that's really why I do it. Yeah. So good. We recently had Megan Hyatt, Megan Hyatt Miller here on the podcast and oh, uh-huh. she was talking about yes. a lot of these challenges, such a good conversation it actually led to me shortening my work day and now being able to support my wife in both her full-time role and her kind of extra side calling in this season. Uh, and that was really, really I helpful. I love that. Uh, in the process. So we're going to kind of eavesdrop on this conversation, speak directly to ladies and guys kind of grab some, grab some nuggets and appetizers along the way. Um, How do we need (laughs) to think differently if we're going to find um, that meaning in the midst of this FOMO world? Mm -hmm. Well, it's really about letting go of immediate gratification. A lot of times we kind of, we live in an Amazon prime world. We want it delivered in two days. (laughs) We want it delivered for free. And it's really understanding that the work that we're doing today, the activities, the things that that we do in our lives affect us long-term. What's fascinating, and one of the things that I dive into in the book, I think it's in chapter, um, chapter three, where I talk about choosing to see yourself in the future. I think what's fascinating is how our brain works, because when we understand how our brain works, we can, we can trick it, we can hack it, we can make it really work for us. One of the things that I think is really fascinating is how we view ourselves in the future. So there's this fabulous study where they used fMRI machines to examine the brain. 
And they examined the brains of people as they talked about themselves today. Certain areas of the brain start lighting up and right getting activated. And then they had the people, same people, talk about themselves in the future. Now, the future could be 10 years from now, could be five hours from now. But speaking of yourself in the future, a different area of the brain lights up, very different. And what's fascinating is when these same subjects talked about Natalie Portman and Matt Damon, the same section of their brain lit up as what lit up for them when they talked about their future self. So in other words, when we think of ourselves, when our brain thinks of ourselves in the future, it's not us. It's some stranger that we kind of know. And so we don't feel that pull or that feeling that we need to do things for today for that person because that person's not us. They look like us. They have the same name as us. (laughs) But it doesn't feel like us to our brain. This is why we struggle with investing in the 401k instead of going shopping you know, to buy some new clothes or why we choose the cookie over the carrot because the person who has to pay the price for that isn't you and your brain doesn't make that connection. So when we start to understand, oh, okay, there's not something wrong with me. There's not, there's not, you know, if I've tried goals before and they haven't worked out for me, it's not because there's something wrong with me. It's because this is how my brain works. Now that we understand that we can change the way our brain thinks. Okay. I want to make sure that I'm connecting my activities for today to me in the future. And when we do that, that's how we get that whole feeling of satisfaction that we talked about. And what does it actually take to develop that habit of delayed gratification? It takes some effort, (laughs) for sure. And there's nothing wrong with immediate gratification. Let's be honest. Immediate gratification can be really good, but it is when you good. Who doesn't, right? Ice cream, cookies, all good good things. It's no surprise. I wish broccoli tasted like ice cream and cookies. If we could figure out a way to make that work. What's the deal? I mean, yeah. (laughs) So really the trick is understanding where you want to go long-term and then actively choosing to see yourself in the future. There's lots of ways you can even use technology to help you with that. There's all kinds of filters. We see them on Snapchat and Instagram and some of those things where you can actually age progress yourself to look at what you're going to look like when you're older and then talk, you know, having that picture up with you uh, wherever you're setting your your goals. Or um, let's say you want to run a marathon, getting a picture of a marathoner crossing the finish line with your picture superimposed on top, Mm -hmm. even if it's just taped on top. But starting to see what you would look like in the future helps your brain make that connection. These are super simple things that we can do that can make a huge difference in your brain saying, wait, let's do something that really helps us get there, right? Mm -hmm. I want to get to that future. So let's do something today for that. That's what's going to allow you to do that. So little little tiny things that you can do, but two, choosing to map out and look at your future, what I call your cathedrals. You know, cathedrals are these big, audacious, amazing goals, these dreams that we have, and then how do we break it down? And that's one of the things we walk through in the book. We talk about how do you take this big vision you have? How do you back it up and figure out what do I need to do today? in order to get to that goal. Mm. So when we start to make those connections, that makes all the difference. Mm. Tanya, what's busyness doing to our souls? Oh, it's crushing them. It's crushing them. Because honestly, when you are, when you're busy, you don't have time to listen. And it's the quiet whispers that really our soul longs for. It's the quiet voice inside of our head, not the one that tells you you're too fat or you, you're too lazy or you're too whatever that quiet voice, the whispers of God really is what it is, Mm. right? 
But if we are so busy being busy, we don't have the space to allow that. So slowing down, letting go of that hustle mantra, that hustle, rinse, repeat kind of idea allows you to really settle in and discover who you are and the path that was designed for you. We were each designed with a beautiful path for us, but we're so busy chasing down anything and everything. We sometimes don't see the path in front of us. So when we're busy, we're, we're hiding. We're hiding from God's voice. We're hiding from, from our intuition, the voice inside of us that, that he speaks to us through. And I think that's really powerful when you recognize and realize that when we cram our day full, we're not making room. And we need to allow space and room for our soul to really flourish into the purpose it was designed for. Every single one of us was designed for a purpose. And I know your listeners might be thinking, I have no idea what my purpose is. That's okay. You don't have to have the whole thing figured out. And in fact, we go through in the book several ways that you can start to uncover what that might be. But it's okay if you don't know what it is today. And it's okay if you don't know what it is tomorrow. What it's really about is rediscovering who you are and the path that you were meant to be on. So you you and I and others are starting to speak out against hustle culture. It is really yes. sunk into the bones of leaders today and become that mm-hmm. mantra, just hustle a little bit harder. And it's become so destructive. So if hustle is so harder is what we want to push away from, is there something we can replace that with? Is there another statement that we can actually head toward? Mm, give grace, mm, tell right? me more. give grace to ourselves, right? Give ourselves that space and grace for life to happen. And this is the, this is the truth of all of this. Uh, I'm a productivity expert who will tell you it's great to make plans. And we talk about how you create those plans. But the last chapter that we talk about is really choosing to give grace because life is going to happen. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be brambles in our path. There's going to be rocks and steep cliffs and chasms in our way. And so we're never going to be able to avoid those. You can never plan yourself so tightly that you're going to avoid those things. In fact, when you plan so tightly and you don't allow that grace to happen, you're, you're going to find that it's harder to get back on track. So often it is truly getting off the path. It's the detours of life that get you to where you're meant to be. That's sometimes God pulling you off the path. You think I've made these plans. And he's like, oh no, <laughs> you don't know the plans, right? So really going against that whole idea of hustle is allowing the space and the grace for life to happen. And that happens when we slow down. One of the things that I talk about in The Joy of Missing Out, my first book is, you know, we think of periods of rest as being a reward for great work. Periods of rest are a requirement for great work to happen. That when we give ourselves that space and that grace, we can do better work work that is more aligned with what our soul was meant to do, Uh, work that really ignites us and puts us on fire and makes us want to get out of bed, not have to get out of bed each and every day. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, we got to get rid of the whole hustle. We don't have to like force and push and all those things all the time. Take a breather. You got to inhale in order to exhale. Give Give yourself that grace. Give grace. Can Mm -hmm. you describe imposter syndrome? What is it and why is it so freaking powerful? (laughs) 
Well, I have a I have a little chart in the book about imposter syndrome, and it's a pie graph, and it's divided into three sections, and it's people who have experienced imposter syndrome in the past, people who will experience imposter syndrome in the future, and people who are who are a, a, a feeling imposter syndrome right now in the very moment. One hundred percent. The truth of the matter is we. <laughs> We all, yeah, it's a hundred percent. The pie chart is full because we all have moments or periods in our life where we have a little bit of imposter syndrome creeping in. And a lot of that is really stories that we tell ourselves that aren't really true. That we're not good enough or we're not smart enough or we didn't have the right start in life or we didn't have these things. Everybody else has it easier. These are all excuses. These are all lies that we tell ourselves to, to allow ourselves to stay small to play small when really we were meant to play big, to get out of those boxes that society crams us into. So imposter syndrome is one of those things that we can really allow to run wild in the hallways of our brain, or we can choose to really look at who we are. And I like to call our past our breadcrumbs, kind of like Hansel and Gretel, right? The breadcrumbs of where we've been. And a lot of times it's really easy to look at the good things. It's really easy to, to want to hold up those shiny trophies, but it's the good things, the bad things, the hard things, the things we've overcome. That's really what allows us to overcome imposter syndrome because we see that we have resilience. You know, I think so often we think that the opposite of success is failure. It's often resilience. It's picking ourselves back up, that even when we were in those dark, deep chasms, we made our way back, back out into the sunshine and to the light. And then when we recognize that, we realize we're a lot stronger than we realized. So really leaning on who you are. There's a whole history behind you that reminds you of how incredible and how wonderfully made you are. Mm. What are you learning through slowing down and saying no? Oh my gosh, everything, everything. Honestly, I'm, I'm learning that it's the small moments in life. We get really caught up in what the big things look like, especially to everybody else in the world, right? We get really caught up in what everybody else thinks about us. But it's really, it's, it's the tiny moments that matter the most. It's the tiny things. It's the moments on the couch with my, my, my daughter after school. It's, it's the time, you know, after carpool with my kids. It's the morning where I, and I talk about this in the joy of missing out, I go and I wake up my kids and I slip back into bed with my husband. Those are my million dollar moments. The, the things in my life that are, are things that I could easily take for granted, but if I didn't have them tomorrow, if that opportunity was taken away from me, I would pay a million dollars to get it back. So really being mindful and allowing myself to enjoy those moments and not feel like I have to rush through life to get the next thing done. That's good. Uh, love to have an eight-hour conversation today. We better not. But <laughs> we're going to do a lightning round. So listeners are getting a little, little right. bit more for their money. Going to have some fun with this a little bit. Maybe the most important question we've had so far. You have to fight The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Anything oh is legal in this. Um, how would you take Dwayne the rock down? Oh my gosh, this is, this is not a question I've ever been asked. So kudos Stop. to you. Stop. How would I take him down? I think I'd have to do something to make him laugh because he has one of the best laughs out there. Oh, yeah. I think cause he's got a full belly laugh. Like you and, can tell when he laughs, he's really enjoying himself. So right. Good. Yeah. And so I think that that would make him a little bit weak. So I might be able to climb up on the rope and jump on top of him. I don't really think I could do much, but 
I love it. <laughs> I would at least go for that. <laughs> I love it. One thing that drives you crazy about parenting. Oh, kids. Oh, wait, that's not a fair answer. <laughs> Narrow down a little bit. Uh, one thing that, you know what? The pressure that other parents put on us that um, when you go to the park and they, you're like, oh, how's it going? They're Oh, everything's wonderful. People put up this facade of perfection and it doesn't allow others in. So if we could just be more real, that would be amazing. Can we just be honest about how difficult it is to parent? Mm. That would be fabulous. Flip it around. A beautiful moment you've had recently with your kids. Oh, well, I just, we'll see if we can get through this without me crying, but I, uh, I just dropped off my son at college and uh, it has been one of the most fabulous culminations, the most bittersweet, amazing, incredible, sad, heart-wrenching, every single emotion out there where all of that time you spent in the trenches with your kids, all of that time where you're like, oh, what am I doing this for? You see that all come together as I just, right now I'm picturing in my, in my mind's eye, him as he walked away and walked into his dorm room as we parted last week and uh, just feeling like, you know what? He's, he's an adult. I, I've done this. I've been a part of this. And that is an amazing thing. Wow. Thanks for sharing a guilty pleasure song. You were heading down the road, perfect day, wind in your hair. Nobody's around you. What are you singing at the top of your lungs? Well, I, this is my song. I like to listen to to get really pumped up, especially when I'm speaking or doing anything like that, like that, uh, confidence by Demi Lovato. It's got a solid drum beat to it. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. A food that you absolutely love and really have to be careful to not eat too much of. Yeah, that would be a hot fudge brownie sundae. Like, wow. no questions. That asked. was very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. We uh, could go totally go with a whole genre of dessert, but that's my, yeah, that's my specific one that I have to be careful of. A book besides your own that you've read in the last year that's changed your life? Mm, think and Grow Rich. That's mm. a book that's been around for a long, long time, but... uh it, it really changed my mindset really on what we're capable of when we put our minds to things. Hmm. Yeah. A guiding phrase in your life that's been helpful to you. Overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. I tell that to people, but I have to remind myself of that as well. So when I get overwhelmed, as we all do, recognizing and realizing I just have to figure out one thing, one tiny thing to get me started, and then I'll let go of that overwhelm. Mm. That's really powerful for Love me. It. Take your next right step. All right, last question for you. What you hope someone will say after reading your fabulous new book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success. What do you hope they say? I hope they say, have you been listening in in my living room and knowing what conversations I'm having? Because you spoke directly to me and what I experienced. Mm. That for me is worth it. Awesome. Well, Tanya, thanks for what you do. What we say at Stay Forth is we sit right at the intersection of the spiritual and the practical. You are speaking our language. We have something that deeply matters to us. We need to bring it into the world and we need to do some practical things to be able to get there. Where can people find more about you uh, as they're digging into your new book? Yes. Well, the best place to connect with me is tanyadalton.com. You can find links to my podcast there, The Intentional Advantage, and you can also find links to my books, Joy of Missing Out and On Purpose. So tanyadalton.com. Awesome. Thanks for chatting, Tanya. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.
focus so long. 